everybody. It's uh, Al Condalusi from the Interdependence Network, and you're tuned in to the Call Me Al uh, uh, podcast, sponsored by the Interdependence Network, and really designed to take a look at community issues, uh, issues related to relationship building, social capital, and, and macro change. And today we we have a really um, exciting um, conversation in store with um, my good friend, John Murphy, um, who is uh, with the Disability Rights Network in Nebraska, uh, working with the Protection and Advocacy uh, Division to you know, stimulate and to be involved in the citizen advocacy movement. So, um, John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thanks, John. Um, so, so great to have you. Now, John and I have done some work together. We've gotten to know each other. Um, but, but John, I'd, I'd like you to just kind of get us started by telling us about uh, citizen advocacy. Um, the movement, a little bit of the history of it, if you will, and then we can get into some of the things you're doing in Nebraska related to citizen advocacy. Absolutely. Well, you know, Nebraska plays an important role in um, not only the the, uh, development of citizen advocacy, but it was also home uh, to Dr. Wolf Wolfensberger, who in the late 60s um, moved to Nebraska and began to work with uh, state policymakers, uh, political leaders, and parents and advocates to develop uh, community supports for people with disabilities. And at that time, the only type of uh, supports that were available, people moved to the institution, to the Beatrice State Developmental Center. And when Dr. Wolfensberger moved to Nebraska, he uh, began meeting with uh, this group, these groups of people, and um, they developed a plan to develop the very first community supports in the nation, actually in the world. So people began leaving the institution in the late 60s and to move into the community um, for the very first time anywhere in the world. And, you know, it's uh, Nebraska is not known as a progressive state or a cutting edge state, but, um, you know, it was really amazing to watch these people come together. And he was the impetus for, for that happening and then to make amazing change. And when Wolf uh, was uh, going about doing this this work, he also uh, was spending time with parents who were asking him, what's going to happen to my son or daughter after I'm gone? And he heard that question over and over again. And he also, um, from what I've heard, and this is hearsay, but it's from people that knew him well, um, he, he attended a conference about Um, the various forms of advocacy that were um, operating at that time, and they were looking at both their strengths and their weaknesses, and he looked at the weaknesses, and he, he said, okay, so the advocacy, it was always paid, it was always of a short-term nature, but there was a fair amount of conflict of interest in it, Um, and, and, and he took those 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 weaknesses in the current advocacy uh, structure that was at that time, turned it around and developed this idea called citizen advocacy. 
And uh, basically, in a nutshell, what citizen advocacy is, is it's a community response. It's, it's you know, on a one-to-one basis, relationships are initiated. And um, a vulnerable person with a disability who is isolated and who is at risk of having their rights and interests uh, violated uh, is introduced to an ordinary, competent uh, community citizen who is asked to look out for that person's rights and interests as if they were their own and to do so hopefully for a very long period of time, if not, if not a lifetime. Wow. John, this is such a fascinating uh, overview because um, I, I, I knew uh, Dr. Wolfensberger. I had an opportunity to uh, study uh, under him to, uh, uh, and, and knew of his uh, work in Nebraska back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And, and it was almost like in the, Nebraska seemed like this um, mecca, this, this sort of um, place where things were happening that we all wanted to happen, to see happen, um, uh, but, but were actually being tangible, you know, uh, in a tangible way, unfolding uh, in, um, in Nebraska. And, and then subsequently got a chance to um, work with uh, not only uh, Dr. Wolfensberger, but Mel Knowlton who uh, came to Pennsylvania, brought uh, Dr. Wolfensberger to Pennsylvania, uh, my home state, and, um, and, and we really began the, uh, the entire movement sort of mirrored by what all, the, all these uh, seminal things happening in, uh, uh, in Nebraska. So that's really, really a fascinating um, history and sense of history. But as you describe it, um, the whole notion of citizen advocacy really is sort of a rights um, focus that the the people that are recruited to um, you know be a citizen advocate with an, a vulnerable individual those folks' uh, job is to make sure um, that that person um, has their rights upheld. Is that yeah. is that correct? Well, uh, you know the. It is, it is a relationship-based form of, uh, of, of advocacy and protection is what we say these days. It's a relationship-based form of advocacy and protection. So in a long-term relationship, um, especially when a person, when the advocate identifies uh, with a vulnerable person, and when we use the term identification, it means uh, seeing life through that person's eyes, walking in their footsteps, that um, it's really hard to identify with another human being and then to kind of sit by and watch terrible things happen to that person. So we see uh, identification as the impetus for people protecting people. And it's not only, um, you know, for instance, a protection and advocacy organization, we have a fleet of lawyers and advocates who, um, you know, who use the legal system to protect people's rights and interests. But once that event is over with, once it's, it's occurred, once they've done their action, and the person goes on living life. And, and so the, the, the wonderful thing about relationships is that, that protection and uh, protection of rights and interests can happen over a lifetime of a human being through a relationship. And you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, in, in the, 
the um, theory behind social capital and the impact of social capital is really uh, one that 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 protects and keeps anybody safeguarded. Um, any relationship that you have, you want to make sure that that person's um, you know uh, doing okay. And 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 you know, so it doesn't matter whether the you know the person you're experiencing the relationship with has a has a disability or is vulnerable in any way. I mean, it's just what we do, what friends do for friends is yes. to watch yes. out for them. So, yes. so that's, yes. that really is, uh, you know, what you're doing uh, in Nebraska, what the citizens advocacy movement is doing generally is really right um, down the line of using social capital theory. Mm-hmm. Um, John, can you tell us a little bit more about citizen advocacy in uh, around the, the 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 country, around the United States? Has it has it um, you know when when Wolfensberger initiated sort of these uh, the, these thoughts and ideas uh, um, uh, back in the late '60s, early '70s? Um, I, I know in Pennsylvania, citizen advocacy um, is still. Um, uh, you know, unfolding as a an approach, um, in other states as well. John, how how's it faring around the country? Well, um, what I would say is uh, because it swims upstream against the 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 values and the culture that we live in. Um, and it's really, really hard to do. Um, you're asking people to make long-term commitments. They're, they do so without pay or compensation. That's another key point, as you were talking about friendship, that um, you know, the people with disabilities are surrounded by people who are paid to be a part of their life, and we're not denigrating those relationships or that role. Right. We're just saying that people, as you say, with social capital, people need people who are in their life who are there because they love and they care about the person. Um, and what I would say is um, it's it's shrunk in terms of its um, uh, its presence in various parts of the country. And um, it's uh it's not uh it's not as sexy as um a lot of the things i i feel like um there's like shiny objects all over the place and people will see something and everybody will run over to one piece and then over to another and in citizen advocacy you know it's based on uh dr wolfensberger's understanding of what happens to vulnerable people in our culture which is you know, a whole set of experiences, and you've studied those, and I've studied those, and these are typical life experiences that if you're vulnerable, if you're devalued in this culture, that there's a really good chance that you would be experiencing them. Some of them are all of them, and it starts with rejection, and it ends with brutalization and death are not good experiences. And and so, you know, to continue to talk about that, I think that there's a lot of people out there that want to say, well, you know, that happened in the past. Um, we need to move on with kind of new stuff. And so people have kind of moved on from it saying, well, you know, um, you know, that's old school. And yet, um, you know, what I would say to you, and I know you would agree with this wholeheartedly, is the same stuff that Wolfensberger identified in the 60s is still happening, and it, but it's on steroids now. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, 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 you know, I think that's a, a really, um, a cogent, uh, a, assessment. Um, and, and now how does citizen advocacy programs in Nebraska, how are they funded? Um, and you know, you were saying that this is not sexy. It's not the new shiny object that people run to or that foundations or that governments want to, you know, want to fund. They want to, they want to fund the new and the sexy. And, and, and so how, how are, 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 are the, um, you know, the nuts and bolts of, of the yes. dollars necessary to make it happen. How, how are they raised and, and where do those funds come from? Yes, I, I think that that's an excellent question. So uh, because citizen advocacy started in Nebraska, um, the board that incorporated Disability Rights in Nebraska went to the legislature in 78. It was the same year that uh, Disability Rights was incorporated and asked the legislature uh, for funds to support this effort. So there was a there was a line item in the state budget for a long time. And then I was hired in, in 85 and there were people before me who, who provided support um, on a less intense basis and then I was hired full-time in 85 to provide support. So over the years, what has happened is we've gone to the legislature and we've said, you know, because um, this is a, what we say, it's a model to the community of what, that the world could be like, you know, you're arranging these, these matches and you're asking people to do significant things that it's not broadly applicable that, um, there are five offices in the state. So we've been really clear with the members of our government, with the legislature and with governors, uh, both Republican and democratic governors over the years to say, um, that we need uh, a base level of operating funds to continue to exist, and then these offices will will raise other dollars to support the effort. And then Disability Rights Nebraska uh, provides training and technical assistance. Uh, the work is done in isolation. There's only one coordinator in five communities in the state. These are all separate organ, you know, separate independent organizations. So part of it is getting people together. Uh, there's coordinator meetings and we have retreats and we, we think a lot about the deeper issues. What Dr. Wolfensberger talked about, what happens to people who are devalued. We, you know, your piece that you did this year on social capital is a really powerful piece that, that, that coordinators can talk to people who are, you know, advocates who are trying to figure out how to create a, bro a broader, bigger life for the person they're an advocate for. That's a really wonderful tool that can be shared with people. Mm -hmm. You know, the, uh, the obviously uh, the nuts and bolts, um, we need to tend to that. But let's, let's shift to uh, some of the impact um, that you've seen both uh, in individuals' lives and in the in in the community change that you know that we know theoretically um, should happen as people take their rightful place as people uh, are 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 aligned and connected with other members of the community uh, who do not have disabilities um, 
you know, the community begins to change and, you know, that yeah. whole notion of macro change, yes. uh, um, but also individuals lives, uh, obviously get better. Can you, can you give us an example or speak to that a little bit, John? I think that folks that listen to this podcast, many of them are, you know, direct support folks who are, who are working with individuals and, and sometimes get frustrated or sometimes feel that, you know, the work that they're doing is just not making that much of a difference. Can, can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, it's the thing that excites me the most because I believe um, on our deathbed, we will all say, um, we will not talk about um, what we've accumulated in life or the power that we've gained. We'll talk about the people that we love and we'll talk about, uh, you know, the people we admire. I mean, it's all, it's not what you know, it's who you know in this world. And I'm, and so I have seen, as you say, the impact, the tangible impact about what has happened through relationships. And so, um, you know, generally, uh, people have been, whose lives have been made safe because an advocate has uh, been, been a, has taken the role of medical power of attorney and has gone to doctor visits and hospitals to make sure that people are well and taken care of and are safe. I've seen people get people jobs. I've seen people, advocates talk to uh, landlords. They've talked to, you know, employers. Um, they've, they've gone to meetings and advocated for their partner's best rights and interests at those meetings. I've seen people become part of family. I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, people are part of, um, you know, there's, there's a guy that was uh, in Lincoln uh, uh, in the obituaries recently. He was uh, in a relationship that started in the 70s in the obituary. Um, the guy with the disability um, was best man. For the, the for the guy who was his advocate, and it was just and it was there, and this was a this is probably a forty some odd year relationship, and you're just thinking, you know, you couldn't ask for more. So, kind of directly, um, there's a, a, a I'm can I should I use names or stay away from um, using names. Yeah, I think we 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 stay away from names, but if yeah, you okay. can just kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so there was a young uh, a young woman. She was uh, sixteen uh, when she moved uh, to Lincoln, and she had become a ward of the state. She was removed from her family, and she was bounced around from one place to another. She was foster homes and group homes and every kind of place known to humankind, and. Um, she was introduced to a couple here in town who, um, you know, eventually became her guardians and stopped the moving. And uh, she's in a good place now. She's living in an extended family home, and it, it was really uh, worked out well. But um, the other thing about advocates is, um, you know, I always kind of look at it a, kind of a dancing around this big ballroom floor. And the, the advocates um, over the years have know what's coming their way. I mean, uh, there's been a, a lot of things that have been problematic. They, at one point in time, the school system had her, the, the woman with the disability, rooting through garbage looking for recyclables. And the advocate was uh, on, you know, was there for a meeting and walked into this and said, you know, listen, when you have children that aren't in special education, 
application doing the same thing, and then I'll I'll believe what you're doing. Well, the you know the the you know the 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 school system then hated the advocate. I mean, there are lots of and so there is sacrifice that that happens when people take a stand on people's behalf. It doesn't make life easier. There's a woman in. Um, in, in Kearney in 1994, she entered a relationship with a four-year-old who has a disability and his uh, mom who was single. And um, she started going to uh, driving back and forth to Children's Hospital, which would be probably about in Omaha, probably about a three-hour drive. And they'd stay for days and for medical appointments. She raised money to 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 find an, a handicap van and uh, to to purchase an, a handicap van, and then they put in sweat equity for the first Habitat for Humanity home being built in Kearney. And 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 you know that relationship went uh, was uh, it's twenty twenty years long, and he passed away in two thousand fourteen. But I just remember, you know, whether it was school appointments or doctor's appointments, she was always there. And then, kind of the last one, I'll just kind of talk about is uh, there was a guy um, in Lincoln, an advocate who was recruited, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in the 1970 or 71, they were Nebraska national championship team. Okay. He was, he was a captain of the, of the football team. He's a big guy. Um, and then he became a banker. So he was a buttoned up guy, you know, you know, powerful and all that stuff and worked in finance. He became an advocate for this guy who worked in the kitchen at the university. And, um, um, and I remember, remember talking to him and he said, he said the power of a relationship is that his children were able to see him doing what was right Right. on behalf of this guy. And he said, and he said that was a very powerful thing. And he said, they also, he had an opportunity to see that life is not fair for other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so doing what is right. I, yeah, yeah. It, and and so you bring those people. I what I would say to human service people is, you know, we're not about making matches between people who already know people. This is really about bringing people who wouldn't have an opportunity to know one another to come together because it expands what's going on. You know, it brings other people into the story and, and who can become um, advocates and, you know, and go to the legislature and say, you know, uh, you know, what's happening here is just absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, typically, how does that then uh, get orchestrated by the coordinators, the citizen advocacy coordinators Mm -hmm. in your, in your regions? How might they, approach someone uh, do they is is it do they identify people they know or do they i mean how do they go about it yeah so you know there's there's there are citizen advocacy programs in five communities in nebraska and omaha is the largest and north platte would be the smallest but there's one there these are streamlined operation and they've been operating for a long time so they will continue to be streamlined there's one coordinator and maybe there might be a part-time support person, but most of them just operate in the very streamlined fashion. So, you know, you're up against 
um, thousands of people with disabilities in a community. And, uh, you know, and so uh, the decision, the, how, to, how to recruit people who are vulnerable is, is really an important thing. And so just kind of opening it up to referrals is problematic because everybody and their brother would say, well, they need an advocate. And then, yeah. you know, there'd be this long, uh, you know, what people experience all the time, which is a, a waiting list, you know, yet on another waiting list. So, so the offices proactively and actively recruit people with disabilities. And that would be in the backwards of nursing homes. That would be people who, who, are, who are homeless, people who are living in shelters, people who are living independently, people who are living with their family. Um, but, you know, they, you know the, the kind of the criteria is a developmental disability or an intellectual disability. Um, some of the offices recruit people, some people with a mental illness as well. Um, but that people would be very, very isolated and very vulnerable and at risk of all sorts of violations of, of rights who are, you know, who are really at risk of, of terrible things happening. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that really, that focus is really, you know, phenomenal because, um, you know, those are the, 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 the folks that are the most devalued yes. Uh, yes. in our society. And, and so reaching out, um, through citizen advocacy approaches, um, uh, really, um, is, uh, you know, is addressing, um, the most challenging uh, kind of thing. Now, what, what do you see, um, in the future, John? What, you know, if you had a crystal ball and you kind of looked at it, um, you know, looking down the road over the next 10 years or so, uh, uh, what do you see happening, evolving, changing, or how do you see citizen advocacy in the future? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think it is such an important form of advocacy um, that it is one of those things that worries me always. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, ultimately in life, we understand we have very little control over what goes on. I mean, you you do what you do and you have faith that hopefully that things are going to be, are going to turn out okay. I mean, we... We have we do have an impact, but I think um, for us, for citizen advocacy, it is staying is having fidelity to the mission and purpose. And Wolfensberger gave citizen advocacy these principles and practices. So they're they're defined, they're clear, they keep it focused um, on what. The, the task is at hand, which is finding advocates for very vulnerable persons. And so, um, so it's, it's keeping your nose to the grindstone, continue doing what you're supposed to be doing. I think the, you know, seeing shiny objects and running, you know, is, is really problematic. And in this society, uh, you know, where, you know, the values of the, of the culture are youth, beauty, and productivity, and they aren't our values, but they're, they're, you know, you just have to watch TV to see what's going on or seeing what's happening in DC. And, uh, you know, I think people um, are even at greater risk of terrible things happening uh, when those are the dominant values. And, and I think relationships are the way that people can be uh, included in, in the, in the society at large and protected and kept safe to, uh, safe in the society at large. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right about, you know, the, the, the values shift that, um, that's, um, unfortunately, uh, we're seeing some of that uh, play out in, in our society today. This kind of movement from, um, you know, watching God for yourself and the individuality that seems to be the driving focus today for people is, uh, you know, take care of yourself, watch out for yourself. You know, the more you get, uh, uh, the better off you're going to be. Um, and, and that, that kind of value shift, um, certainly, you know, works, uh, against, I think the principles that Wolfensberger articulated when, when, when he launched the whole citizen advocacy movement. Um, and it really begins to suggest that, you know, this lack of kindness and this lack of civility that we're sometimes seeing in the public sector, you know, ripples into obviously the, you know, the private way people are, 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 uh, um, are seen or, uh, people are, are addressed. And, um, you know, it's, it's challenging. But on the other side of the coin, certainly, um, is that, um, you know, the, the citizen advocacy as a movement has been, you know, it's been out there since the, um, you know, the late sixties, early seventies and, and it continues on, you know, and I think the, you mentioned fidelity. Um, I I think those kinds of things have obviously, uh, paid uh, dividends, uh, at, uh, you know, at this point. And I think it's really incumbent upon us, all of us folks listening to this podcast, certainly those of us who are who are involved in the field from whatever, from whatever point, um, to in fact begin, you know, keep, uh, our, our eyes on, on the prize and keep focused on, um, you know, on, on being, um, you know, clear about what's important in a community. Yes. You know, and, and what I was going to say too is even with all the dynamics in the culture now, which I, you know, I, I don't know necessarily if it's new. I think it's probably more crass and cruder at this point in time, but it's, um, it's been around for a long time. The good thing about citizen advocacy is, you know, you study and you understand evaluation and what you know, what puts people in a devalued status. But and then these coordinators and these offices get to meet the best people in the community who, who, who give you a sense of optimism that there are people, you know, still willing to step forward and do what's right. And so, I mean, I think it's an optimistic, I, I really do, an optimistic action. I, I feel like that's the piece that is inspiring. It's the piece that serves as a model to the rest of the community how, 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 this, how our society could be better for all people. Yeah, yeah. John, that's a, that's a you know, uh, such a, uh, a great note uh, to uh, wrap up our conversation today because uh, I think optimism is the, is really the, 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 the driving point um, to a, you know, to keeping uh, a society civil and, and, uh, and, and folks recognizing that we are our brother's keeper. Yes. So John, I want to thank you for, 
um, not only the work you do, but taking some time today to really um, help articulate and clarify the notion of citizen advocacy. Um, we're we're talking today with John Murphy, who's with uh, the Disability Rights Network in Nebraska, uh, and um, we're talking about uh, citizen advocacy. So, John, I want to thank you for being a part of, of this podcast and uh, look forward to continued work that we're, we're going to be doing down the path. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Al. Really appreciate it. Great.